Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And this is the Industrial Design Podcast. The. The. T-H-E-I-D. The best one, right? I mean, Woo! how many podcasts are there? In the world? Well, Industrial Design. <laughs> There's two, including the one you did in college. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, how you been, James? Not too bad. Um, I just started a new gig this week, and... Um, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, you know, bring something up about starting new gigs, especially in New York City. Okay. One of the things that I delight in when I start a new gig is optimizing my subway commute. Oh yes, I understand. Mm-hmm. But you have to explain this to people who don't know the subway. Yeah. So when we're talking about the subway, it's like the nervous system of New York. And you are essentially having to, you know, navigate these different tunnels and know where to get out and where to get on the next train. Right. And so, um, it, like, if you time it correctly, you can get on, like, the first car of the Q train. Mm-hmm. And when you get off the first car, you'll be right at the exit. Yes. Right. Exactly. Or you might be getting off of the four or five right next to the staircase to take you down to transfer to the queue. Right, right. You and know. so are, have you been optimized yet or are you still working on I'm that? still working on the okay. optimization. Um, I, I've been figuring out which cars to stand in. Now, it's interesting because I think a couple of years ago there was, I think, a graphic designer who did some sort of... Um, you know, sort of like intervention in the subway oh, where I they heard were about putting up mm-hmm. putting up stickers basically right. that would say "Stand here, get on this car if you're trying to transfer to this train at right. this station." Right. And it was so brilliant, so brilliant. But of course, the MTA put a stop to that because I, <laughs> you know. I wonder how, how long. Convenient. I kind of wonder how long it took the MTA to find it out because I'm sure that he was really meticulous and like matched all of. Massimo Vignelli's like fonts for, yeah. the, for the branding and everything. Yeah, I don't know if anybody, you know, if any pedestrian saw something and said something about it. I feel like uh, I don't know, but it, it kind of frustrates me about the MTA is people come to them with great ideas and they don't necessarily gravitate towards them, such as that, and also the James Murphy proposition, which was. James Murphy from LCD Sound System. Okay. He had proposed that to change the sounds of the turnstiles. Okay. Because right now when you swipe your card, yes. it kind of makes a jarring, like, buzzing sound. Right, right. Um, and he had proposed... What's it sound like, James? Oh, God. It's... I yeah. don't... That's you know. pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he had proposed that each turnstile in, in each station have a different note that all complemented each other so it would be like a sequencer and at like rush hour you would hear this beautiful like melody beautiful and then Uh, and then you'd hear some like crazy person like you know yelling yeah but but he took it all the way to the top and they crushed him as far as i as far as i know i think um they did an installation for it for the underpass or the or what what's the uh there was um you know the high line, the low line. That's what it was. Okay. They an underground park in New York. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, it's I don't think it's open, but they just sort of had an installation okay. for okay. it. But they had his turnstile um, idea implemented there. Huh. I'll have to look into that. That sounds cool. But yeah, all that to say, I started a new gig this week. <laughs> awesome. Well, congrats. Um, what about you, Nick? What's new? I don't know if I have many updates. I think the one thing I did this past week was I went to the Michael Graves College mm. uh, at Kane University, and R.I.P. Uh, Michael Graves. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he's missed. Um, Michael Graves was a architect and designer. Uh, he did a lot of products as well, and yeah, I I went there to do a little workshop, uh, do some sketch demos and things, and it was a lot of fun. Um, met some awesome students there, and hopefully was able to connect and you know inspire and answer all their their questions and yeah it's always fun to see see people in school because 
you know, students have a different way of thinking. We're jar, we're like jaded to design now. We, <laughs> we can't think of those amazing ideas that we could in school. Yeah. No, we're, we're bounded by limitations, right. real world limitations. Right. And, uh, but you know, just goes to show you, you got to keep those side projects strong. Yeah. Keep that, keep, keep those, that youthful spirit alive. Got to keep that youthful spirit alive. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, that was my week. I, you know, I play, play with my 3d printer. Yours is on the way, right, James? Yeah, it's uh, in transit. In transit. Still. In transit. Um, Do you have any ideas for the project yet? I've. Uh, Are you going to tell me? I mean, I, we're, no, we're competing. I'm not, not going to tell you. <laughs> I would tell you. I'm going to tell you my ideas, James. What? Oh God. Well, go ahead, Nick. One idea I have. Um, if you hadn't listened to the last podcast, MakerBot had selected James and I for a competition for mm-hmm. New York Design Week. We get to design. A 3D printed object that improves the daily life of, I guess, anyone. I, I assume it's kind of our personal lives, mm-hmm. mainly because I feel like that's kind of like the story storytelling aspect of it. I guess you could do anyone. But what my my idea is, is I have a bunch of like, I have my keys in my wallet and it all just goes on my desk. And for some reason, I always put it underneath my HP monitor, which has this like little ring it's, oh, you can see it right now, James. Yeah. It's like a nice place to put something because hmm. um, it's all contained. But I feel like I don't have a good place for my keys or my wallet, so I want to make like a container mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, but you know, I'm gonna do it in a cool way. I'm not gonna. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know what you're. Uh-huh. I know what you sure. guys. I know what you guys are thinking. I know what you guys are thinking. What you're like, that you're gonna make a chair for your keys and no, your wallet? No, 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 no. I mean, when you think of like trays for keys you just think of like boring trays right no no mine is gonna be amazing well that's just one idea i've been thinking of i might do another project but yeah you could also if you want to steal that idea james you can i i mean i've been i've been often do you pondering have, do you have some key, sort of caddy do you have a key, like a key caddy at your house or how do you do that i don't i like i just kind of they just kind of end up somewhere and it's not a good system. It sounds like you need a solution. I do need a solution. Maybe if what? we both took on that project, we could compete even even more closely. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you <laughs> I'm know, a competitive since, guy. Since you shared a bit of yours, I'll okay. maybe I'll share a bit of mine. Okay. I think this is what you intended. Okay. You trapped me into sharing my idea. You know I mean, what? I, no. I, I guilted you. No, I'm not going to tell you. That's fine. You're I, just I gonna respect have to that. find out. I respect that. Yeah. Um, well, I... I uh, Maybe next time, James. Nice try. <laughs> nice try. You opened up the trap door, and I walked around it. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll move on then. Um, of course, each week, if you haven't listened before, we like to talk about kind of a, a larger design topic that we think is interesting. And this week, we were talking, we were thinking about the idea of how much inspiration can you take before it's considered copying? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. It's I, I I feel like it is sort of the biggest deal type question when it comes to creative work because mm-hmm. people are very territorial when it comes to their ideas and the feeling that their ideas they have ownership, complete ownership of their ideas. And right. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot to be said. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm I'm always in the camp of ideas are worthless, right? Mm. That's why I told you my idea from the maker. <laughs> I'm still trying to guilt you into saying your idea. <laughs> no, I think, but I'm I'm being serious. You know, I think that you know, an idea isn't anything unless it's realized, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could think of an idea for infinite energy. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't mean it's real, or that yeah. doesn't mean it's valuable at all. Implementation right. is execution, right? Implementation. Those right. are the that's what you really need. Um, but you know, after you do that, and you have a physical product there, and someone takes inspiration from it mm-hmm. and makes a physical product, you know how how much inspiration can you take? Now, I think legally, do you know like the legal rule? I think it's like what's eighty five percent that legally like you know when you see knockoffs of products uh-huh. it has to be 85 percent different 
I think that's like the legal rule. How does one determine whether it's 85%? I don't know. You have to talk to a lawyer about that. <laughs> this sounds like, you know, the judging for like gymnastics and figure skating. It sounds, yeah, very it sounds sub- kind sub- of arbitrary. Yeah, arbitrary and subjective, I would say. I know that for like design patents, like basically the rule is, is that somebody has to be able to see two objects and recognize them as being completely different oh okay or just or just like if they see one if they see one object and can relate it to the other one that it is said to be copying then then it is infringing on the patent Mm, see now that's I, i don't that's interesting so if they see it and they're like oh that's a copy well if they see it like say I mean, I I am no patent lawyer, but from what I understand, it is if I see this object and I could possibly mistake it for the other one, okay, then that is infringing on the patent. Okay, like if visually I can't discern between the two, hmm. then it's, I guess that would make sense, right? Yeah, although I from feel a legal like, standpoint, but I'm sure there's so many loopholes. I feel like in that case, like I guess no. I guess Apple has never taken out a, a design patent. I I like on their phones. I I feel like when the iPhone released, essentially every smartphone company co- copied what they were doing. Well, yes. And I mean we could we I had actually put down Apple as an example because you know They're always an example. They're Nick. they're always a great example. And we've mentioned it before. Um I don't think there's but like what you're saying is like people looked at a phone the like the new samsung or whatever and looked at the apple iphone and you can tell a difference but what you're saying is like if you look at these two phones and you can't tell a difference mm-hmm. like you can't discern between ones and apple that's when it infringes yeah well i feel like for us for informed industrial designers it's very easy to see the difference but for the average consumer I think I think the average consumer is a little bit smarter than that. They can know the difference between the Galaxy S and the iPhone, right? I I suppose. I I would hope so. I mean, I think I yeah, I think like maybe the gap, maybe the differences, the distinguishing uh, aesthetic features have have become more defined, but I feel like at the advent of the smartphone, it was very much like carbon copies. Mm, mm. Um but there was I feel like there was like an HTC phone like a couple of years ago that pretty much was like a replica. I, I understand that. I have seen some very, very similar phones and I would say they're 85% similar. Ooh. <laughs> I'm just going to say that number. It's, mm. it's, I know that number is completely wrong. I know I'm not a lawyer at all, but I like to think that's that's the right way to do it. <laughs> Welcome to Minor Details, the podcast about lawyering. <laughs> the podcast where we talk about minor details that are incorrect. <laughs> uh, so... But, but uh, Nick. Yes. What what about this topic interests you so much? Well, I th- you know one thing that I always find interesting is that um, people get a little uptight, in my opinion, about copying. You know, on the what was it episode three or something? We talked about how my nightlight got rip- ripped off. Mm. Um, it legitimately got copied. Like you couldn't tell the difference between the two, um, and. You know, I kind of said in that podcast, like, yeah, it's not, I mean, whatever. Like, I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to keep moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even if it's not completely ripped off, there's a lot of designers out there that will get upset when something looks too, like, just similar. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, you used this same, like, technique that I used, and it looks kind of similar, and it has the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um but you know there is a significant difference or whatever um i i'm thinking of a specific example and so i posted um I, you know i've been doing these pen experiments one of my projects i want to do is a pen like a ballpoint pen mm-hmm. um and so i was playing around with different ideas of like how can i create a ballpoint pen for my brand almost object um and you know almost objects all about pushing the boundaries of what is an object and so this pen has to be pretty experimental, in my opinion. Um, and one of the ideas I did was the pen was dipped in wax, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you got, you ever eat baby bell uh, cheese? Oh yeah. All <laughs> you know, the time. You know how you like peel off the I'm wool? always belling. <laughs> You're always belling. I actually had a baby bell right before you came. I should offer you one, James. You want one yeah. right now? I'll give you one right now. During well, the pod, you can start chewing on it. You know, my thing is, like, we never let them grow into adult bells. Oh, you always keep them baby. Yeah. Well, uh, you're, you're just throwing me off track right now. Sorry, you made a baby bell pen. Continue. Right, right. So, you know, like, think about Maker's Mark, right? You know, or envelopes. You, right. You seal things with wax. And so right. my, my idea was you dip a pen in wax without the cap on you just dip it in and it's a sealed and so whenever you want to use the pen for the first time you have to break the seal mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit of a maybe a ritualistic kind of approach to this product and i thought it was kind of a unique pr- approach um and so i made it and posted it online and i got a, a little bit of hate because apparently um there's another guy who did the same thing with a notebook Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I met the guy. Like he, he's gone to SCAD. His name's Eric Promo. He's a cool guy, and I love his work. Like I've talked with him, like about like how much I've loved love his work. And so I think people were a little bit up in arms about how I just ripped off his notebook idea. Hmm. Um, and you know, I, I feel like that's kind of incorrect. I didn't rip off his notebook idea. I could have taken inspiration subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't even thinking about the notebook when I did the pen, but I had obviously seen it before, so it was in my brain. Um, and yeah, I don't, you know, people were upset. They thought I copied his notebook, but I made a, made a pen. So, hmm. did you uh, did you discuss it at all with him? Like, no, was there no, because any... because he never he didn't he didn't comment or anything. And my hope is is that he understood the issue. Like, I think I think he was mature enough to know that. Hey, we're both designers doing a sealed object. Like Maker's Mark does a thing, Baby Bell does a, a wax sealed cheese. Mm-hmm. I did a wax sealed pen. He did a wax sealed notebook. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't even think he used wax. He used like latex or something. Hmm. But I, he, I, we didn't chat about it. But hopefully, he's listening and he agrees with me. <laughs> or may, or maybe Eric, you don't. Maybe you can email me and. I, <laughs> I mean, me. I think it'd be interesting to hear you two discuss it, or for you to discuss it. Um. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it, like in our profession, it is like, it's this difficult circumstance where every day you're asked to come up with original ideas yeah, mm-hmm. cr- and be creative. Yes. And, but we also digest a lot of create, of just like creative work. Right. Like, you know, you're on Pinterest all day or Lemonouche or whatever blog you enjoy. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes like you think you, you know, I've had cases where I'm like, I, I think that this is a a completely original idea. Right. And then I later find out that like, oh my gosh, like I saw this somewhere. Right. You know, I had, I had seen this. And it's a subconscious thing. You know, you're not actively trying to like copy this object. And there's also such a thing as simultaneous invention. Like, you know, there are certain things like if you are given a prompt. Yeah. There, there's probably a limited pool of ways that you can solve any one problem. Right. And so you will arrive at solutions that other people have arrived at. Yeah. And and it's crazy because like as well, I've I've seen cases where has that ever happened to you? It yeah, it has happened to me. Okay. Um, in the case of like the self leveling measuring spoons, like there there have been a lot of attempts and different products released that are sort of like similar in nature. Um, I can for, definitely see that for, 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 for self leveling for measuring spoons. Definitely. Yeah, let me let me tell you a story about the a time that I um, made this new invention for a dog leash, and Ooh. I was so excited about it. Um, but then I realized that I had someone had already done it, and I guess that's not a simultaneous invention. But you know, I had never never seen the product before, and so when I invented it, I was like so upset. I had so you know how like dog leashes have the little like clip on the end yeah it's called a snap hook um Hmm. those little metal clips are called snap hooks Mm -hmm. and 
you know, they're have, have we talked about this or no? No. Okay. Um, they had those like little tiny little nubs on the side and you kind of pull them down and it's like, it looks kind of like a question mark, you know, mm-hmm. and you hook it on your dog, but of course your dog's like moving all over the place. So it's always tough and like the collar is hidden under all the fur and you'd like bend over and it's like such a hassle. And I was like, this is, this sucks. Like what if I could create the next snap hook? Like the next snap hook that would end all snap hooks. Like <laughs> 10 years from now, you would only see this snap hook. Yeah. Like on everything. And they're used on like purses and like everything. Right. Right. And, and so I was determined. I was like, I'm going to make a new invention. <laughs> and uh, so I had, you know, 3D printed and tested like 20, 25 options, like just, you know, con- ideating and like trying to solve this problem. Um, and I came up with a solution of a magnet. And it's a little cliche. Yeah, magnets are cliche. But um, in this particular instance, it was perfect because, you know, your dog's jostling all over the place and there's like a little metal male attachment on your dog's collar. Mm-hmm. And then on the end of the leash was this female attachment. And so all you had to do is essentially just kind of like sling the leash kind of close to your dog and it would automatically magnet and snap to your dog. Like you didn't even have to bend over. You could just kind of like drop the leash next to his collar. But how do you create a solid joint? Um, so the magnets, the there was like a male insert and a female insert and, the, and it went in and there's a little clip. So oh. when you wanted to unclip, when you wanted to unclip, you actually had to reach. Right. But when your dog's leashed, it's a lot easier to control that. Like That's you cool. just, you know, reach down the leash. And so I hadn't made this invention and this is completely new. Like you, you guys are listening to it now and you're like, what? Yeah, this is an invention. I'm going to go make it and patent it right now. <laughs> but my boss was, you know, I had like presented all these products or all these prototypes and I had shown it to my boss and um, I was so excited. This was like the last one. This was like my finale. And I'm like, this is the one we should make. This is it. And my boss is like, oh, I think I've kind of seen something similar. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, let me send you a link. And he sent me a link. And it was, an ex- it was the exact same oh, thing that I invented. Oh, my gosh. I was so disappointed because yeah. I was, I had, it was like my invention. I right. had it. I had made it. I had realized it. But someone had had the same thing it was like the parameters were the exact same and they came up with the exact same solution and you know since the parameters are so tight they solved it in the exact same way right first so i don't know it was it was a sad day oh i'm sorry nick if i could reach you right now i would comfort you (laughs) but uh i mean i think you know there there was a series on vimeo i mean it's still on vimeo called everything's a remix and oh, I, I don't think I've seen that. I should check that out. I, it's it's great. I and like I I think I've only seen a couple episodes, but essentially it's just saying like a lot a lot of invention or a lot of what we do is like. And I was starting to do this like very consciously in college. Was like I take I take a function and feature from this, and I take a like a function feature or form of this, right. and I just mash them together. Yep. Because it's yeah. a really, it's, I mean, it's a really clear way of storytelling and mm-hmm. and sort of like to an audience of non-designers or whoever, it's a really easy way for them to latch onto it. Yeah. But, you know, it's like sort of the same thing for movies like and music. You think about, you know, we have so many chords, we have so many stories that you can tell, but it's about like how you tell the story, right. how you write the song. Right. And and so like there's just sort of there's you know how many original ideas like truly original ideas right. are there out there and how much are we just like rehashing those ideas or borrowing from another industry to you know create something new and novel. Yeah, I mean I I know there's people that say there's no original idea. I think there are very original ideas. Original and practical, like original <laughs> and like you know to the like I, I feel like there are original ideas but there's but there's also maybe a limited pool of like original and useful okay. like like well ubiquitously useful yes and i i use i use the term original in a much more layman's sense like mm-hmm. if you use the strict definition of original and like say nothing's original like if you bring it back to like cavemen, like invented the wheel and everything else after that, like what, you know, I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, I think that I, I, I feel I, I agree with you. Like everything is a remix. It's an evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, it's building off of the last person that came there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I think that as long as you don't blatantly copy something so that it's indistinguishable. Yeah. I think it's still an evolution and improvement, I would hope. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, like, it's one thing to have an idea and it's another thing to, like, to make it, to, like, put everything that you have behind that idea. Because right. this, is, this is essentially the difference between, do you like... Have, do you have any idea, friends? Idea friends? Do you know that? Know what, you know what I'm talking about? Where... You have a friend who just oh, talks about talks yeah. about ideas all day long, and then you're like, "Hey, how's that idea going?" And you're like, "And he's like, oh, that was yesterday. Like, <laughs> I had this new idea. <laughs> I might be an idea friend. I don't know. I have a lot of I have a lot of ideas that I don't necessarily execute. But I mean, that's that's sort of like the difference between like, yeah, like an idea man or, you know, I don't know, like maybe an inventor and an entrepreneur. Mm. Oh, I guess I'm. Yeah, I don't want to mix us up here. Like. I'm talking about the people who are like, I'm just, gonna I'm gonna start and I, like they're like all about this like business idea and they're right. like oh I'm gonna start this business right and then uh, you know a week later you ask them about it and they're like oh yeah, I don't I know what you're talking about yeah I know I <laughs> we, know we as designers are always coming up with ideas right but we're never like you know putting our to- we're not talking like we're walking the walk you know yeah but you know like somebody who's an entrepreneur is saying. Not only do I believe in that idea, but I will fall on my sword or make that a reality. Yeah. You know? And that's that takes that takes a lot of guts. Right. Um, um You know, we had the example of Apple and Braun too. I kinda wanted to touch on that. Mm. Um just because it is uh, obviously apparent that Apple has taken a lot of design inspiration from Braun. Right. And it's very common for people to mistake that as stealing design. Mm. And I think that's, again, a good conversation to have, kind of like what we were saying before. It's like, okay, yeah, Apple, their iPod looks a lot of very similar to the radio that, did I say iPad or iPod? iPod. iPod. The, the original iPod. Yeah. Looked very similar to one of the Braun radios like mm-hmm. the clock right i don't know, i guess it wasn't a clock but um you know it had that like circular dial yeah and like the speaker grill that kind of Im- the ipod kind of imitated the screen for or whatever um and you know i think people were accusing apple of stealing but again one's an ipod and one's a radio right they're not the same thing yeah um but yeah yeah i mean uh, you know it's yeah, I can't really see that as stealing because, I mean, essentially, maybe they started with the same thing. It's a handheld electronic device right. for playing music, but right. one is dealing with a speaker, right. which was the brawn. It's like the speaker and the and the dial, and the other one is dealing with a screen and like a you know the this the click the click, click wheel. wheel, which. I have to say, I miss it's it. still... I miss it. I miss it so badly. <laughs> the click wheel. It's probably one of my favorite, like, physical interfaces. Mm. It's... Did I, you have an original? What was your first Apple product? My my first Apple product was an iMac. One of the... Colorful uh, ones? Yeah. Although I had the gray one. Okay. Um, like graphite. Right. But my first iPod I didn't have one of the originals I had I think my first one was the iPod video which was the square one did you no. have the square one? Oh, okay. I no it was it was like the the footprint of like the typical iPod and it just played video it, no it played video and music but it could play video right, right, which right. was like a big deal right. you could download music videos and watch okay. them so, on so your so you iPod. had you had OG iPod you had like iPod classic but just the video version Right. Yes, but you know, there the first iPod actually had a legit physical spinning wheel, right? Whereas this one was just like the touch. it was a it was like yeah, a touchpad. I had the iPod Nano, the square one. Remember the square one? I do remember the square one. That one could play video too. Was that wasn't that, that, that was the my first one product that that all the design firms started making watch 
um, wristwatch like you know yeah. casings for it. You could wear it on your wrist. I believe it. I I don't remember them I'm, doing that. But oh, I remember. It was a big deal. I mean, uh, minimal design out of Chicago um, did one. They did it like a Kickstarter and made a really nice like uh, watch casing and band for okay for your ipod nano man that those are the good and it days. made it into a watch and it was like wow this is you know and eventually like now we have the apple watch uh and you have an apple watch right i do i have an apple watch now balling i miss the ipod it, it died ipod's dead i know there's one there's one i still have one on me like not not right now i yeah. can show it to you but i, I my, my dad still has my, ha- my, my dad still has my my original ipod nano the square one i always see it when i go visit them for christmas and it's like memories where is it it's in florida at the at, i don't know i think my dad uses it for music when yeah. he's when he's on the tractor nice um it's i mean it's perfectly compact for that kind of thing it is and you don't need internet or anything yeah oh isn't that crazy god off the grid <laughs> um yeah i think that was a good a good uh conversation about copying i mean thank you nick i uh hope you guys got something out of that um you know every week we like to answer a few questions from the audience i appreciate everyone sending questions in i'm sorry if we didn't get to you and i do too i appreciate it too yes james appreciates as well <laughs> <laughs> i'm not just the other guy that Can hosts we, we should talk about this we should uh, yeah so, uh, so i don't know i'm sure that this guy's listening um right now but james sent me this uh reddit thread yeah well i received it from a good friend of mine paul o okay who's uh he went to id school with me he's doing some graphics and packaging now okay. he's he's a great guy he sent me this shout out to paul yeah and he sent me this screenshot okay. of, a, of a reddit forum i guess that it was for favorite interviews favorite industrial design interviews and he so he sent me this snapshot and he says check out the last comment okay and are you so, gonna read it you know okay so it's and like, sh- shout out the guy's name because we're just like we're, we're shutting him out right now like, well it's uh matt b white uh, matt b white i appreciate your uh, enthusiasm i appreciate you listening it's just we just have a few corrections to make <laughs> so uh and he commented after sucks at gaming um uh, and Matt B. White said there is a new podcast from Instagram famous Nick Baker. Oh, I, okay. I don't and <laughs> and another dude. Oh, wait, he just said another dude. And another dude. <laughs> I wonder who that other dude is, James. <laughs> I don't know. Some some have called him the most underrated industrial designer on Instagram. Uh, and so he says. Instagram famous Nick Baker and another dude called Small Details. Yes, our podcast, we changed the name to Small Details, if you guys haven't heard. Yeah, but then he gives a glowing review. It's a decent listen. A decent listen. And is showing promise. We're we're showing a little bit. We're calling Matt out so hard right now. I apologize, Matt. No, it's all good. I but, love uh... you, Matt. And uh, that's... Um, that's you know that's pretty much it okay well um yeah for those of you who uh didn't know there is me nick and the and, other dude james yeah, the other dude and this is minor details just minor not small <laughs> um anyways anyways a little tangent there but um thank you guys for sending in questions our first question today comes from alexandre roque de carvalho from brazil he's nice portuguese um <laughs> thank you um his question is do you do you guys believe that your country's culture influences the design style and do you guys think you have a personal aesthetic style hmm i think that's a good question right it's a two-parter for sure i i have to believe you know it's sort of it's like the nature versus nurture debate yeah it's like i have to believe that your surroundings affect 100 percent your design sensibilities 100% I I think America definitely the culture does it is the melting pot right America is the melting pot of the world essentially you have every culture coming in here and 
especially especially in New York. Obviously, mm-hmm. New York is so so much more um, distilled in that sense, right? Um, and I feel like the design center here is similar to that. It's like a mi- a mixture. Like you have all kinds of designers doing all kinds of work, um, inspired by all kinds of cultures. Yeah, but I definitely see how like other countries and you know like brazilian countries or middle eastern cultures have a different design sense right yeah i mean um i would say that even regionally across the united states and and maybe it's also it also has to do with schools but i remember you know i've i went to virginia tech so i went to the southern district conference my entire time at virginia tech so like i was southern idsa like idsa so i was very used to a certain style of designer but then my last year of school i went to the northern district conference completely different oh that's interesting i never i never went to any idsa conferences nick that's a small detail that you didn't need to mention i'm sorry (laughs) uh it was interesting because what was the difference so i mean i had to think back on it but from what i remember you know especially like virginia tech it was a very like research heavy like you need to right like you're not just going to assume what the right solution is right you need mm-hmm. to find and locate the right solution and it was like a lot of group projects yes and SCAD was similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the focus wasn't necessarily on the individual as a designer. It was more about, like, the ideas and, like, what came out of that. Right, right. Whereas I felt like a lot of the stuff that I saw at the Northern District Conference was about, like, almost like the designer as an artist. Yes. And I agree with you 100%. I knew that's where you're going to because I feel the same way. It's like you think about... I, I, feel, I think about Pratt and RISD, yeah. those big top schools up in up north, and you know they're so much more centered around this artistic side of design. Whereas, you know, SCAD or uh, Virginia Tech had this more, you know, research-heavy side of design, more um, design firm kind of design. Yeah, and I think of course it, it varies. I mean, you could yeah. do anything in any design school if you wanted, but and and. And I don't bring this up to say that I think one is better than the other because I find myself in my career focusing like a lot more on, or at least at at this point, a lot more on like aesthetic development and like things that I didn't necessarily get, uh, you know, totally developed on in school and right. I learned a lot and and I worked around a lot of people who came from Pratt in my first job and I had an enormous amount of admiration for their ability to give objects that we see every day a really amazing aesthetic right it's, it's all about like that design sense they have yeah and you know I just I think that in the north there's like especially schools like RISD and Pratt, I feel like there's there's maybe this this sort of idea about like craftsmanship right. and sort of, I don't, you know. I, I agree. I feel like that in itself, like just that conversation, could be an entire episode. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, it's I, opening up a can of worms yeah, for sure. Um, do you think you have your own style, James? I I'm not sure. I think I'm developing a point of view, but I don't know if that's a style. Mm. It's that's 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 another thing that could be blown out. The funny thing, the funny thing about that question is that I feel like that's a question that someone has to answer for me. Right. Like, like I could describe your style, James, but I feel like I couldn't describe my own style. Describe my style, Nick. I feel like your style is. It has a bit of playfulness. It has some softness to it. Um, it's you know, it's simple. It's clean. It's minimal. Um, yeah, I don't. I think that's kind of the buzzwords that come to my mind right now. Yeah. What do you think about mine? Oh God! How dare you put me on the spot? <laughs> I uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's not. That's not to say that that you don't have a style. It's just that I haven't really necessarily thought about it. I feel like 
you know, maybe maybe what you're saying about me is similarly how I feel about you is that I feel like there is a personality when I look at your work. There's a point of view right. when I look at your work. And there's not necessarily like, like I don't necessarily see a product and go, oh, that's like a Nick Baker style product. Right. But there's maybe a Nick Baker style, like there's maybe a Nick Baker point of view to the product. Yes. There's a, there's a design philosophy behind it. Right. Cause, cause that's the thing is like, you know, we, we kind of hold up a lot of these designers, a lot of these like star designers who right. have, you know, it's like you go to that designer for their mm-hmm. style. Like Dieter Rams, cream machine. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's also this idea that like, if you are in a larger organization or you're designing for an existing brand, like, you know, are you supposed to imprint your style onto this That's or a- are you supposed to meld into right. the brand? That's always an interesting thing, I think. I feel like, you know, for me, I feel like there's some design styles that I can't match, right? Like if I was, if a client come to, came to me and was like, hey, you know, we want to design traditional wicker furniture, you know, <laughs> and, and in a, you know, a very like, you know, 18th century style, I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm too busy right now. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's probably what I would say. I'm like, unfortunately, I can't take on. <laughs> I um, like how you don't say no. <laughs> well, you got to like leave the wicker door open. I feel like you got to, you got to, yeah, yeah, you, gotta, you never know. You never know what happened. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, in I think inevitably, you will always imprint a small part of you into right. a product. Doesn't matter if you have to match the like design style of Nike or I don't know what's like a really constricted design like Dyson. Dyson has a very like I feel iconic design style. Mm-hmm. Even if you design for Dyson, I feel like your personal style would get in there somehow right it would, it would eat in there somehow I, uh, that's it's interesting because i feel like you probably get this question a lot because you do these live sketching uh broadcasts every wednesday right and um i feel like people are always wondering about sketching style and how they develop their own style right and i feel like the same thing for sketching goes for design it's your your point of view is always going to be put into the design, like whether you're conscious of it or right. not. Yeah, it's you. It's it's not something. I mean, you could be influenced and kind of you know create like a manifesto or something, but at the end of the day, it's like it's hard to choose what your style is. It's just what you love and what you like is what your style is. I don't know. It's, right. It's an, it's kind of an ambiguous thing to formulate but yeah yeah i mean that's that's a great question alexandra and alexandria um yeah i mean we could talk about style for a whole podcast i think <laughs> um should we move to the next question though yeah let's okay. go to uh tom from germany and he asks do you think you're per you were perfectly prepared to start working after your industrial design program like do you feel like right out of the gate you were ready to go uh or um i'm trying to read here from a distance well i mean (laughs) i I think i think he you know his question was you know are you prepared right after your bfa or should you get a master's Uh, Um, but in in general i think the great question is is like do you think you're prepared like right after after school no (laughs) i i mean i I will speak from experience. Okay. I went through like a mid midlife crisis my senior year of college. Everyone does. Everyone does. Where I was like, I like, there's no way I should be let out into the professional world at this point. So, so I've seen this happen a lot, and I went through the same thing. And if you're a senior in design school right now, and it's getting close to graduation, don't worry. I know that you're thinking that you have no clue what you're doing in life right now. <laughs> Because that's what we were all thinking. Even me and James, we were all thinking the same thing. Yeah. It was horrifying. It Mm -hmm. was, it was, I mean, to some degree, it was like, 
I, I especially felt it um, fall of my senior year. Well, oh, I, I felt it. It was exponential as it got closer to graduation. I it was see. like January was like, oh, what am I doing with my life? February was like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> Mar- <laughs> March, April, May. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so I, so here, here's what happened to me. Uh, it, it hit me hard in the fall of my senior year. Okay. And because like at that point I had not had no internships, like professional internships other than, Wait, are you serious? You didn't have internships? In I, I only worked at my father's company. Okay. Okay. Um, during the summers, which, you know, I did a bit of design there, but you know, my, my dad owns a rotational molding facility in okay. Pennsylvania. So I did a little bit of design work. But I had not worked at like a firm or a company. I was, I, I mean, I was really freaking out. Okay. Um, but uh, but you made it, James. I did make it, which is, I mean, good news for those of the those of you who haven't done yeah like big big internships or anything. But so I met with one of my foundations year professors, this guy named Jim Bassett, who is an amazing amazing human being shout out to jim he's he was an architecture professor um and i and i was going to him and we were reviewing my portfolio because i i just asked him for help because he was a sage-like figure to me and i was telling him about all my worries and he told me this which i never forgot and i came back spring semester and and followed this advice exactly and he was like you're in school be in school Mm. and and it was just basically like Mm. you have you have this advantage of coming into this place where you have like a support structure to do whatever you want to do amen explore whatever you want and and it's like it's amazing and and that's not to say that those opportunities don't exist outside of school right side projects (laughs) uh but it was like it was this thing to be taken advantage of and then worry about like you know getting the job 100 percent agree i i had the same advice um from uh another another graduate who came to visit scad one time for my studio class he was like nick this, this is my friend gabbo really great guy um he was like nick stop stop like messing around. like do what you want you can do anything you want once yeah. you get out of school you can't yeah this is your, this, <laughs> this is your time this is your time to do yeah. whatever you want yeah and then and that's the project that made the nightlight that's just a, it's a quick side notes i don't know that's but um awesome. yeah i mean i for me i think i you know I'll, I'll be honest with you james i was I felt maybe a little bit more prepared after I graduated. Obviously, I didn't know everything, um, but I don't think I was like completely unprepared. Or you know, I, I think you were you were definitely prepared, but you were certainly scared. Um, I actually had several internships, and if I could stress anything, it would be definitely do internships. Yeah. Um, during your summers, if you have, uh, if you can, I, I think it's super important to get out there and get in the real world. And hopefully, by now that. Um, hopefully by now we have companies hopefully by now like isn't unpaid internships outlawed i don't know i hope it is i it's so disappointing that people don't pay their interns right Uh, shame shame on you if a company's listening and you're not paying your interns shame on you yeah um but i did one unpaid internship i thankfully was close to home so i just commuted lived at my mom and dad's house but um you know it was super valuable to learn how the real real design field works while you're in school Obviously, it gives you an edge in in school um, to take back into the next semester. Right. Um, but you know, I, I will say, like, I I would also stress getting internships, especially early on, because it exposes you to the field. Mm-hmm. But you know, myself and I know a, a graduate um, in the year above me, uh, Quinn Huff Settler, who was a great designer never had an internship his entire time in school like me i mean he was kind of an inspiration to me in this regard yeah because i was totally freaked out about this right but he was determined he got an internship he got a job out in california working for frog like after a couple internships like he like he hit it hard and like he just 
I mean, that just kind of goes to show you that at the end of the day, like if you don't have an internship, if you hadn't had an internship, it's about determination. True. If anything else, right. like just if you want a design job, you will find a design job. If you're passionate enough, you yeah. know, hundred percent. Like, you just got to put in the work. I totally agree. I, I I do enjoy that. It's nice that we have separate point of views on that. Yeah, it gives you guys a nice wide range. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a good question. I appreciate yeah. appreciate you sending that in, Tom. Yeah. Um, our last question comes from Matt Gill. I feel like this is good follow up to the last one because had I not gotten any internships in design. This oh, would be the question I'd true. be asking myself. That's true. Um, Matt Gill, also, his Instagram handle is at an anomalous dot design. Anomalous dot. Anomalous. Okay. Anomalous dot design. And he says if the practice of industrial design just disappeared tomorrow and you had a, no choice but to choose something else to do, what would you do? Now, Nick, I'm going to put an extra. Okay. An extra constraint on this, okay. which is you can't choose another design profession. Okay. No design profession. What would I do? If industrial if any design profession did not exist, what would I do? Well, I I know the the unrealistic answer. I think I would love to be an astronaut. Oh, nice. <laughs> like I would go to Mars. Like if if Elon called me up he was, and he was like, "Yo, Nick, we got to open space in the uh, the, the SpaceX shuttle. <laughs> we got an open space in space. There's an open, yeah. <laughs> There's an open seat. Um, <laughs> you wanna you wanna take a ride? I'm like, yeah, man. Actually, if you called me up right now, I'd probably do it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the the ring. We we know Elon is tapping into our podcast <laughs> recording. Oh, hey, I'm getting a call right now. It's from uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> So you would you would be I, an astronaut. That's that's my unrealistic answer. My realistic answer, like if you really want to like, you know, rewind life and say that I didn't know what industrial design was and it didn't exist, I probably just would have been a mechanical engineer, because um, hmm. that's that was kind of like the one other direction, you know, like when you're when you're young, and you know, my my parents. You know, my, my grandfather was cre- uh, really creative. I mean, my mom, you know, she enjoys painting. And my dad, he's he's kind of like a good old business guy and, uh, you know, a hard worker. Um, they, you know, they don't know, know what industrial design is. Um, and I feel like if I, when you're a kid and you make it, you, you love making Legos, you love painting, you like drawing, you like creating things, your parents are always like, oh, you should be an architect or an engineer. Mm. Those are like the two things that you say to a kid, right? right? Um, but no one ever says you should be an industrial designer, right? Because no one knows what industrial design is. Yeah, except for my dad. Well, <laughs> you have a different situation. Yeah, you should have talked to my dad, Nick. <laughs> uh, so I think. Um, yeah. What What would you What would you have been, James? Well, so my original major in college was in film. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Are you a good film editor? Mm, I, I mean, I'm kind of rusty. I did a lot of... I Here's the thing is like, you know, I had so many, so many interests, like mostly creative. Like I've, I've been posed the question before of if you had all the money in the world, if money were not an object and you yes. could do anything, what would you do? And it would basically be doing like any creative endeavor, just... Anything? Just like exploring basically every creative oh, endeavor. Doing everything. Everything. Okay. Like a little bit of filming. Right. You know, and editing. Right. Like I also, when, like late in high school, I um, was really into making music. Like making and recording. Uh, I got some music on, on Spotify. Oh, uh, do you? Yeah. Can I look it up? Oh yeah, you can. Should we shout it out? Me and uh, my bud Andrew Gaddy in uh, in college before I joined Design, we uh, we were a duo. We were making music on GarageBand. Um, oh, okay. I will I will admit I did have a, a GarageBand phase as well. It is on SoundCloud, so you can you can listen to that too. But I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's bad. Oh, uh, I want I I want to listen to it. I'll, I'll I'll let you listen to it, James. And if you, I, you guys, 
listening right now if you want to like do your uh be a private detective and figure it out i'll let you do that but mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm too ashamed of it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's um my stuff is on spotify okay. it's, it's under gents g-e-n-t-s okay and it's an ep called introducing oh um, what kind of music is it it's uh i did learn i did learn the other day remember you told me about your uh, uh teenage engineering OP, oh yeah OP one which you know was the synthesizer it's like a little mini synth or something oh, it's so good it's so nice i want to play with it when i come over next yeah time. you can you can do that okay. but um and then the other thing that i that i had kind of thought about um was advertising when I when I first was like thinking about a like a real career, oh, okay. I I had thought about advertising, but I just to me it's it's so fascinating to like explore the different ways in which to be creative and right. to express yourself. Right. Um, I like the other thing was like the reason I got into design was because of yo-yos, and I <laughs> are you serious? Love yo-yoing. I also I also did love yo-yoing when i was younger mm-hmm. i mean sure i can yo-yo now i don't i don't i don't think i have yeah. a yo-yo do you have a yo-yo on you uh it's a yeah it's in my backpack are you serious oh yeah okay no well, i i do have one on me because i was have to break that i out, was right? impressing <laughs> well to break that out after the pod uh new new uh you can uh listen to after the pod no we should <laughs> we should set up some Watch sort of after the pod we should set up some sort of after the pod like a patreon or something yeah <laughs> But uh, I actually purchased it to impress my wife's nephews oh, okay. uh, to win them over. And it worked. Nice. Oh, so well. But Man, I, I bet. I worked at a toy store where I had to sell yo-yos. And uh, oh, I, really? met, like I in, met a like, lot of like professional yo-yoers. Like in high school? This Yeah, this was in high school. Okay. I uh, worked on the Ocean City, New Jersey boardwalk and uh selling yo-yos and and, and, uh, and diabolos met... and devil sticks and oh, juggling balls and de- devil sticks skill toys they yes. all fall fall under the skill toys <laughs> ca- category um but uh yeah i would love if i could have been a professional yo-yoer so that's your unrealistic job that's total i mean okay, mine mine was astronaut yours yeah. was professional yo-yoer. Yeah. and then our realistic jobs was engineer and film film or film in- advertising, advertising something like that okay love it love it matt that was a great question yeah um yeah appreciate you guys sending those in um keep sending them in at minor details podcast at gmail.com if you have a question and every week we like to give a shout out to one instagrammer who we think is really interesting yeah and so th- we're gonna we're gonna broaden it because we've been doing industrial designers but but we love all kinds of things on Instagram, yeah. right yes right. absolutely and uh this week we're going to uh, do a shout out to Matt Tomasello. He's a skateboarder, and I think he's a part of the Fancy Lad Skateboarding Collective. Okay. But he likes to hack skateboards. You know, he loves to like. I don't know. It's it's amazing. You have to watch his Instagram because he does all sorts of things to his skateboards to come up with just like I don't know, some crazy tricks. Right. Like like I know one example I'm thinking about. So. So James sent me this account like maybe a month ago, but oh, so Matt Matt Tomasello, right? Uh, it's Matt M A T T, and then Tomasello is T O M A C E L L O, all one word. And he does these. He'll cut up like the the top of the skateboard off and attach a hinge to it, mm-hmm. like just bolt on a hinge, and then he'll do a kickflip where the top of the skateboard like flips around does a 360 but of course it's hinged so it looks really weird and then there's like like sometimes he'll add on extra wheels and stuff yeah he does these insane tricks where it's like two skateboards combine into one or like he has this like skateboard that he does a kickflip on and then the kickflip turns into a mini skateboard and he lands on a mini skateboard and the big skateboard just rolls away it's yeah it's really crazy check him out i think and i think it's a really good inspiration for industrial designers because it kind of like it kind of showcases this idea of getting down and dirty with your with your prototypes i I love it i love the down and dirty you know just like make that quick and dirty prototype and it can have this amazing impact right right you know so i i huge shout out to matt tomasello because he's he's out there just like 
you know, being really inventive and creative and, and he's hustling. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to you, Matt. Um, go check him out. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to check out any, um, pictures or links, you can check them out at minordetailspodcast.com. Of course, my Instagram handle is at Nick P Baker. And I am at, I draw on receipts. And thanks for tuning in guys. Of course, we'll, we try to post every week, and I guess we'll see you guys next week, right? Yeah. See you then. Peace out. Later. <laughs>